All right, well, good evening. Welcome to Genesis. You guys feeling good? Awesome. Well, my name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt uh, welcome, that you felt comfortable and invited. And, and I also hope that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we're so glad that you're here. Um, and I want to go ahead and start with today has, been, uh, today has been a day for me, okay? Today has been a day. It's been a day for a few of us. Um, first of all, uh, I've been sick uh, since uh, Saturday. And so I'm hoping that my voice holds up for tonight. I believe that it will. Um, and second of all, uh, earlier today I was taking some of our, our merch out to where it is now. And one of the cables for our Mac Mini got caught on it. And I just like slammed the thing into the ground and broke our Mac Mini. And uh, which does all of our like words and everything. And uh, we were able to jerry-rig something for tonight. Um, and then also Jeff, uh, who I... He's back there in the back, uh, was plugging in one of these lights up here and got electrocuted. So that is the kind of day that it has been today. Um, and so before we do anything, usually, I, usually, you know, I wait a little bit before we pray, but I'm going to go ahead and pray first because Jeff said it. He texted me when he told me he had been shocked, and he said, uh, I believe that the devil is really not wanting tonight to happen. And so uh, we're just going to go ahead and nip that in the bud. We're going to pray right now, and then we'll jump in. Sound good? All right. God, we thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for, uh, as we always do, for the opportunity that it is to gather together as a body of believers. And God, number one goal on the wall tonight is to see you glorified. God, we don't want to fall short of that. So we rebuke any work of the enemy tonight. And we pray, God, that your kingdom would come and your will be done in this place as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we all said together. Amen. All right, so uh, one of the things that I am really bad at is directions. I'm horrible with directions. And I've shared this, I've shared this before. Um, I'm easily distracted, um, especially when, uh, when I'm talking to somebody and driving at the same time. Uh, it's very easy for me to forget, uh, you know, where I'm going. It's very easy for me to forget uh, turns or, you know, forget to turn. And so uh, even when I was in driver's ed, I had to do a, a U-turn before the instructor taught me how to do U-turns, and he was actually impressed with my ability to do U-turns. And it was like I was born to be bad at directions, you know? Um, it was like I was a U-turn prodigy, uh, the Mozart of U-turns. And so because of this, one of my best friends is my GPS. Um, and I, I use it all the time, and, and, I, uh, and it's so easy. You know, you just type in the, uh, the address into the directions app, and it's good to go. You can just set it and forget it. Music works in the background. Your other apps work in the background. And and now you don't even really even need uh, the address. You can just type in the name, and it, and it just knows. And so, uh, you know, when I don't know where to go, which is often, <laughs> instead of trying to find it, I find the way uh, my, on, on my own, I, I can rely on the GPS. And so keep that in mind as we move forward tonight. Um, you know, with February being a, a time when love is talked about uh, a lot in church, I, I wanted to do a series about love, but in a way that was different than, than most, uh, one that that focused and concentrated on biblical love instead of me just getting up here and giving you relationship advice. Uh, we'll actually be covering dating and relationships on the first episode of the Genesis Continued podcast, which comes out this Thursday. I know we've been talking about that for a while. So that comes out this Thursday. We're actually, we'll talk about dating. We'll talk about relationships. Um, but tonight, we're continuing our series, I Love You 
to death. Because when scripture talks about love, it often correlates it with death. You know, scripture often talks about dying to ourselves or laying our lives down for others. And then, of course, the ultimate example that we have in this, which is found in Jesus. And so throughout this month, we're discussing what that looks like for you and your relationship with God, and then also what that looks like for you and your relationship with others. And what it really comes down to is this, this contrast between the feeling of love and a lifestyle of love, where a feeling of love is something that is exciting and fun, but temporary, where a lifestyle of, of love is one that is committed and dedicated, even when things are hard or they don't make sense. And so the, the feeling of love may have inspired you to make a commitment to Christ, but it's this lifestyle of love that will inspire you to keep that commitment, even when the feelings fade. Last week, I, I began with kind of a, a, a broad brush, and we talked about living for the things of God instead of the things of man, and, and which is a very expansive topic. And, and over the course of the message, we kind of narrowed that down to specifically our character. And we talked about replacing uh, our character with the character of God. And so uh, last week, we talked about the actions and behavior of our flesh, where tonight I want to talk about the desires and the dreams of the flesh. And so this will, will be, in a way, part two of last week. Because here's the problem for us as humans who are trying to follow Jesus. The direction that we want for our life does not always align with God's direction. Would you agree? Is this something that you may have experienced in your life? And that could be a a sobering or even frustrating thing to hear, but it's true. That so often we wanna do our own thing when it comes to our life's direction instead of letting God show us the way that he wants us to go. And so tonight, we're gonna talk about what it's like to die to our desires and die to our dreams and start living for God's. And so I tried to think of some ways to ease us into the message tonight, uh, but I wasn't able to do so. And so we're gonna get pretty deep into this fairly quickly tonight. And so if you would, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bible, if you don't, it'll be on the screen. Again, that's Matthew 16. We, uh, We read the beginning of these verses last week, and uh, we're gonna continue them tonight. And so at this point, Jesus has just told his disciples that if they want to follow him, they're gonna have to take up their cross, to pick up their cross. And if you remember, we had this big whiteboard up here with all these uh, you know, characteristics of the flesh on there, like uh, where it said greedy and, and, and prideful and envious. And we came over here and we, and we crossed them out and replaced them with characteristics of God. And so we talked about that's what it's like to to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And so Jesus continues in that same vein in the verses that we're about to read. So this is verse 24 through 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he's done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So first of all, I wanna mention at the end of those verses, Jesus makes a statement about his disciples not dying before they see him coming in his kingdom. Uh, And there are many, sorry, there are many interpretations of, of what that means. And, uh, you know, 
But what I want us to concentrate on tonight is what he said a couple verses before. And so after Jesus says, take up your cross, he continues and he asks this question. He says, what will it profit a man if he gains the world but then loses his soul? He's saying, in other words, he said, why would you trade your soul for the world? It doesn't seem like a fair trade. And so a good starting question for, t- for us tonight is this. What does it look like to maintain your soul in today's world? What does it look like to maintain your soul in today's world? If you valued your soul above earthly gain, what would your priorities look like? What would your desires and dreams look like? In 2018, uh, this, so all of last year, I, I spoke at three funerals, uh, which was all very new to me. Two of which, or one of which was for my own family, and then two of which was for a family here in the church. And uh, one of those deaths was actually a 22-year-old who had committed suicide. And so you walk into these situations, and, you know, and it's like, it's always unique, you know, trying to sympathize with, with grief, uh, but at the same time trying to give hope. And it's really tough. And, and so usually, you know, you have the service, and then you go out to the cemetery. And on every tombstone, there's always what? There's two years, right? There's the year that the person was born, and then the year that the person died. And then right in between is this little line. It's like this little line in the middle. And it, to me, I felt like that always seems so blunt and seems so bleak, that all of this person's accomplishments and their achievements and their impact and experiences, all of that have been dwindled down to this one little character, this one little dash. And so to think with that little line represents for somebody's life and what it symbolizes for their life. What it symbolizes and represents is massive because it's all we've got. So all of us have this God-given life on earth, this dash that we've been given that God wants us to live aligned with his desires and dreams and not our own. But so often we want to live our life, we want to live our dash the way that we want to. You know, we think, well, it's my life. I'll live how I want. I'll pursue what I want. I'll go after what I want. I'll do all I can to attain what I want. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care what corners I cut. And I don't care what it takes. I want to do all I can to reach this certain uh, level of popularity or this certain status or this certain tax bracket or this certain level of comfort. And I'm not going to think twice about what God thinks of it. Thinking that in those things that we're going to finally find our our purpose, our meaning, or our, our identity. You know, something I hear a lot of people wondering is, is why they don't hear of, of so much more, or why they do hear of so much more spiritual warfare overseas about demons and, and, and possessions and all these really scary stories, right? And what I've always thought well, was because here, Satan doesn't need to interfere like that. In America, Satan doesn't need demons and witchcraft because comfort and convenience are doing the job for him. And so our sights have been set so strongly on our own dreams and desires that we've been blinded to God's will for our life. And so we have to ask ourselves, what matters more to us? You have to ask yourself tonight, what matters more to me? You know, it's true that nobody is in heaven right now bragging about the life that they had on earth. Could you imagine that? Someone being in heaven and saying, man, you should have seen the money that I made, the house that I had, the car that I drove. No. I'll tell you when it's all said and done, 
There's no experience on earth that's going to compare to what is waiting us in eternity. And so which one are you going to live for? And so the issue is that we've got this, this source of, of all knowledge and all wisdom. We've got the inventor of life itself at our disposal. And for some reason, we don't trust him with what's best for our life. We have, tr- we, we have no true idea of where we're going. And we never ask the GPS. What we want so desperately is found in Jesus, yet we never go to him for it. In Jesus is the the meaning and the identity and the purpose that we're longing for, but we never go to him to find it. And so because of this, we're caught in between what the flesh wants and what God wants. I wanna tell you tonight, it's so true that the enemy wants to steal your soul and then give you nothing in return. And he's gonna use anything to accomplish that. He wants you living for anything other than God. He wants that dash to be filled with meaningless and aimless and erratic pursuits that left no impact for Christ here on earth. And so we need to make the choice what we're gonna spend our life pursuing. We need to make the the choice on what's going to define our dash. It's either going to be God or be the world. And I cannot stress to, to you enough that now is the time to make that decision. You are making some of the most pivotal decisions of your life right now. And if you're not making those decisions with God in mind, you might be missing it. There's a, there's a famous message uh, by a well-known pastor named John Piper. He, he did in 2000, and it was at a passion conference, like one of the early passion conferences. And he was speaking, and you know, passion, if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's basically this large gathering of, of uh, college-age students, or, or you know, a little bit older, you know, 18 to, to 30, and and uh, he was speaking, and I went, and I went and watched part of the message, and I read some manuscripts of it, and it's really, like, a really famous message. And he tells this story about, about how he was, he came across this Reader's Digest magazine, and in it, it was this article about this, this couple who had, they were from up north, and they made a bunch of money, and then so they moved to Florida, and to retire, they moved to Florida, and it says now they spend their time collecting seashells. And in his message, he said, what a tragedy to think, and the title of his message was Don't Waste Your Life. He said, could you imagine getting to the end of your life, meeting God face to face and saying, look, Lord, look at my seashell collection. Don't waste your life. I don't want us getting to the end of our life and saying, look, God, look what we did, and it means nothing. It's worthless. And second of all, with that, the testimonies from that message are amazing to read. Because of that message, people were selling their their possessions. They were moving overseas. They were starting mission organizations. So you can't tell me preaching doesn't still change lives. Yeah, it did in biblical days, but it still does today. God still speaks through his word. And through his principles, man, that's such a powerful truth for you tonight. And I want to add, too, that, that I believe, in, and there's, there's research to back this up, that our generation isn't as concerned with material success as past generations have been. Uh, millennials are, you know, we're, we're known for wanting to make impact in the world, and we define success very differently 
than money and possessions. Sure, that's probably part of it, but it doesn't make up the whole, the whole thing anymore. And I'm not trying to stereotype or generalize anyone, but I saw this firsthand last month when, uh, when we announced three, three new things that we were doing here at Genesis. We announced a discipleship initiative, a resources page, and a new mission partnership in Nicaragua. Not that you guys don't care about those first two. I know that you do. I know that you care about discipleship, and I know that you care about, uh, you know, getting pointed to Jesus and, and having help in your quiet time with him. I know you care about all that stuff, but when the words came out of my mouth that, yeah, we're now partner, or now sponsoring two villages in Nicaragua, everybody's eyes lit up. Why? Because, we, because making a change in the world is what we want. Making a change in the world is something that we really care about and something that we want to be a part of. But just because our, our generation isn't as concerned with money and possessions as past generations, it doesn't mean they were out of the woods on this. Because I believe in the same way that, that past generations have idolized maybe big houses and, and nice cars, some of us now idolize social media influence. Some of us now idolize fame. And so whatever it is that you find yourself pursuing, I want to distinguish for you tonight the difference between healthy and unhealthy pursuit. Because the, 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 things that we, the, the things that we hope for one day, whether it be the, the perfect job, perfect house, perfect family, or maybe it's the big influence and impact on the world, those things are not inherently bad things. They're, they are not sins in and of themselves. They could even be considered gifts from God. But there is a flaw in thinking that the perfect anything exists somewhere out there in the world. And it gets even messier when we make it our life's goal to find it. Because why? Well, it's, it's a fantasy. It's a wild goose chase. As the prophet Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. There is nothing out there that is so perfect that it's going to solve all our problems. But the enemy wants to make material, earthly success look so enticing to us that we forsake everything in our pursuit of it. And so in essence, working hard and being successful, your, your accomplishments and your achievements, those are not bad things. They are not sins unless you make them sins. It's when we start to love those things more than we love God. It's when we start to lay down our life for those things instead of laying down our life for him. It's when we start to decide that the GPS doesn't know best and we think we know how to make our own way. That's when it becomes Idolatry. And I think the root of this is found in, in what we believe our faith is for. Because especially, you know, because we live in the South, and so for, for many of us, church is just a way of life. And there, and there is nothing wrong with that. But our faith was never meant to be something on the side. Our faith was never meant to be something put on the back burner. Our faith should have such a radical impact on our life that Hardly anything should be the same before, than before we met Jesus. And so when we treat our faith this way, it creates this culture of nominal Christianity. And I believe this nominal Christianity is one of the biggest threats to the church today. It's a Christianity that exists only in name and not in surrender. One that we may treat like a, a good luck charm or a get out of hell free card. So I want to tell you tonight, first of all, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for our health, wealth, and prosperity. It doesn't make us part of the happy holy club. 
And it doesn't destine us for greatness, and it doesn't help us achieve our destiny. What it does primarily is free us from the sin that had condemned us. And then secondly, it beckons us to see it spread to the ends of the earth. So the gospel, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it doesn't just free you and then dismiss you to do whatever you want. It frees you and then enlists you in God's salvation plan for mankind. The gospel doesn't free us so that we can achieve our dreams and desires. It frees us to join the movement of God in our time of history. And so Jesus' life and death, death and resurrection, it, it makes clear for us three things tonight. One, it shows that we are in desperate need of a Savior. It blows the lid off any hope uh, of saving ourselves. The thought that any perfection in life, work, or family, it, it would never be enough. Two, it provides us with the only hope on the planet of experiencing something more than the 80 some odd years of life. And three, it places us into God's salvation plan for mankind. And so if you want your life to be part of what God is doing here on earth and what God is setting up for eternity, you've got to die to your own desires and dreams and start living for God's. So I wanna ask you something tonight that I that I hope wrecks every earthly dream and desire that we have. And I say we. And this is one of those things where I, um, you know, you type into some notes and you think, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I don't really know what to say after this. So the question for you tonight is this. Is what you're living for worth him dying for? Is what you're living for worth him dying for? What would happen if we simply stopped living for ourselves and started actually asking God what he wants for our life? When it comes to your life, it may be time for you to tell God, take it. It belongs to you. You guide me. You direct me. I don't want to live for earthly gain anymore. I don't want to try to make it on my own anymore. I want to trust your plan for my life. I want to ask the GPS. I feel like so often we, we, we spend our whole lives obsessing over creation, and we end up missing the creator. So tonight, we need to die to our own desires and dreams and start living for God's desires and God's dreams. It's time to make what we're living for worth what he died for. So if you will, go ahead and stand with me. Tonight may be your chance to finally say, enough is enough. To say, I'm done living for myself. I'm done living for the world. I'm ready to lay down my life. I'm ready to die to my own desires and dreams and start living for what God wants for my life. And that is a life-changing, life-altering decision to make. And I pray that you would make it tonight. And so as you go out of here tonight, I want you to know that Jesus died and rose again to set you free, and it wasn't for nothing. He set you free and wants to make you a part of what he's doing here on earth and what he is setting up for eternity. So I want you to think about that tonight. What am I living for? What are you living for? And is it worth him dying for? Let me pray.
God, we thank you first and foremost for finding us in our mess of sin, for finding us in our flesh, God, that while we were still sinners, God, you sent your son to die for us. God, we didn't deserve it, but you did it anyway. And so, God, because of the blood of your son, because of his sacrifice, God, we are set free from our flesh. We are set free from our unrighteousness. And, God, we're made right in your eyes. And, God, you didn't do that just so we could just go do whatever we wanted. God, you wanted us to be a part of what you're doing on earth and also part of what you're setting up for eternity. And so, God, right now, I want us to all think about this question. Is that what are we living for? And is what we're living for worth what you died for? Because, God, you want so much more for our life. And if we settle for this earth, God, we're settling for something so small and so temporary. So, God, I pray that you would have your way in our life. That whatever desire we have, whatever dream we have that does not align with you, God, I pray that you would realign that tonight. And we wouldn't be getting to heaven one day and saying, God, look at our seashells. God, we'd be bringing a ton of people with us. In Jesus' name, amen.